it's a joy to get to be here with you guys. Not just because the sun is shining today, not, because, not just because it's a day after an OSU football win, but foremost because of this. Our God wants to speak to us today. Through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through each other, through the sermon, through the slice. I love Ashley Slice because you get this picture, right? There's no reason that a woman from suburban America should have this huge heart for Latin America, a huge heart for immigrants, a huge heart for refugees. But when we stop and we just listen to the Spirit, when we stop and just listen to what God might be trying to tell us, it's crazy what he might do in our lives. And so we just want to tell you it matters that you're here today. It truly matters that you're here today. You're not here by accident because we trust God wants to speak to you. This is our last Sunday in our sermon series called Living Water, and it's where we're exploring who this Holy Spirit is. And although this is our last week in the series, please know we haven't exhausted everything there is about the Holy Spirit. Even if we did a year-long series on the Holy Spirit, we'd still have more to glean from him. And even in heaven, there will be even more to enjoy even more to know, even more to experience of him. And so today, we're just going to briefly touch on one aspect of the Holy Spirit, how he empowers us. Specifically, he empowers us to bear the fruit of the Spirit and live just as Jesus lived. And that's a profound mystery, right? How does God mold us to live like Jesus lived? So let me pray for our time and ask the Lord to lead us in our time today. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you've adopted us and brought us into a relationship with you. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak to us today. We trust that you have something for us in your word, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible... Go ahead and open up to Galatians 5. We're going to be in verses 16 to 25. And the words will also be on the screen for you. Paul wrote this letter to a church in present-day Turkey. And in this section in particular, he's describing what it looks like for a Christian to be led by the Spirit. So Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25, says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so you don't do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things of that nature. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's a lot in this passage for us to chew on and to digest, but here's the big picture of what's going on. Inside of every Christian, there is a battle waging between our flesh and the Spirit. And verse 22 tells us what a Christian's life looks like when the Spirit is winning this battle in our life. Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul lists these characteristics, or fruits as he calls them, not as a standard that we have to try to attain, but as identifiers, things you naturally see from people who have the Holy Spirit. So just as an apple tree grows and has apples as fruit and not tomatoes, so too Christians walking in the Spirit exude the fruits of the Spirit and not of the flesh. Scholars think Paul used this analogy to allude to Jesus' words from John 15 when he said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And it may be tempting to read Galatians 5 and think, okay, it's time for me to get to work. I'm loving sometimes, but I got to get better at loving people. So I need to work on that. Or I'm not very gentle, so I'm going to work extra hard at being gentle this week. If that's our mindset, we're basically trying to create the fruits of the Spirit through our flesh. And that's exactly what Paul's warning us against. Your flesh is contrary to the Spirit. Your flesh can't do it. So the virtues listed here, they're not legalistic commands for us to follow. Instead, it's a picture. It's a picture of what naturally happens when we live out what's said in verse 16. When we walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And although I experience this at times, it doesn't take much to take me out of step with the Spirit. You know, just this past week, I was on my phone, and I was pulling into a gas station, and I thought I had the right-of-way, but apparently I didn't because this woman honked at me. And it was one of those, like, obnoxiously long honks, like unnecessarily long honks at me. But here's the awkward part. We're both pulling into the gas station. So for the next few minutes, we're going to be staring at each other as we pump gas. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know what? Even though I'm not sure if this was entirely my fault, I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to apologize. So I get out of my car, and I smile, and I wave at the woman, and I'm like, ma'am, I am so sorry. And then the woman, she trips back at me. She's like, you are sorry. You're a sorry driver. You need to get off your phone. And this is an old lady I'm talking to, so I'm thinking, Vivek, just keep your cool. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I avoid eye contact with this woman as we pump gas. Uh, but when I get stressed, I have this weird habit. I tend to smile at times, or I tend to laugh sometimes. And I know it makes no sense at all, right? Like if I was playing poker, I would be a terrible poker player. But I look up, and I must be smiling at this old lady because she snaps at me. She's like, don't you smile at me. You know what you did. And so I quickly glance down again. But then I'm thinking to myself, I'm a grown man. Like, I'm 30. I can smile at whoever I want to smile at. So then I look back up at her, and I have the doofiest smile I could put on my face. Like, I'm just cheesing, showing her all my pearly whites, and she is livid. She is cussing up a storm. She, and the stuff that she said, I could not repeat in front of you without blushing. And for most of that day, the rest of that day, I was entertaining all these scenarios in my head. Entertaining, man, I really wish I had told that lady off. I really wish I had this one-liner in my head that I was wanting to say, but I didn't say it. And if I said it, oh man, that would totally embarrass her. I was far from being in step with the Spirit. And all it took was an old lady with a car horn. And maybe you can relate. Maybe it doesn't take much to take you out of step with the Spirit either. 
Even something as skipping a meal and being hungry can take you out of the spirit, right? Anyone here ever gotten hangry before? Not eaten? Yep, yep. Snickers actually has a line of commercial ads about this fact, and so I brought one of those commercials for us to get to watch today. So a commercial like that, that's meant to make us laugh, right? Like it's trying to get us to laugh. But think about your life. Think about the things that take you out of step with the Spirit. What do you do when someone gets angry at you? What do you do when something torpedoes your well-thought-out plans? What do you do when you don't get enough sleep? Or when someone calls you out for screwing something up? When you start to think about the future, what are the things that cause you anxiety, that cause you to lose peace? I imagine if we stop and think, we could recall a lot of moments. And when that happens, we can easily revert to some of the things listed in Galatians 5.19. Sexual morality, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, drunkenness. Sometimes these things are obvious. And sometimes they're in secret, but it's hardly funny in the moment when it's happening, right? Some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, I thought we were going to be talking about the Spirit's power. Like, shouldn't we be talking about healing and prophecy and miracles? Aren't the gifts of the Spirit more powerful than the fruits of the Spirit? Paul shoots that idea down. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. He says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Of course not. So earnestly desire that which is most helpful. Let me explain. If I spoke all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I'd be a noisy gong. If I had the gift of prophecy but didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Love is patient, kind, not jealous or prideful or rude or irritable. Love never gives up never loses faith, and endures every circumstance. It's fascinating. Paul's description of love, it basically mirrors the fruit of the Spirit, right? And it seems Paul is more concerned with the fruit than the gifts of the Spirit here. It's interesting. Galatians 5 doesn't give step-by-step instructions either for how we're to experience this fruit. But instead, we see words like walk with, be led by, inherit. All these words that imply a relationship. You walk alongside a person, right? You're led by a person. You inherit from a person. And on one hand, step on, step-by-step instructions, that would actually be easier, right? How do I walk with the Spirit? Just read your Bible, pray like I pray, and go to a bunch of H2O stuff. But without context of relationship, those are just empty actions, There is a way to read your Bible, pray like I pray, come to church, and not bear eternal fruit. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says, a healthy tree can't bear bad fruit, 
and a diseased tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Our God is not a formula. Our God is not a checklist. Our God is alive. And what he offers us is not a life of religious piety, but a chance for relationship. And at some point, we all have to ask ourselves, am I really experiencing this? Am I really experiencing this relationship, this walk with the Spirit? So how do you walk in the Spirit? How do you allow this relationship to transform you? There are two words, two concepts from Scripture that shed light on what it means to walk in the Spirit. Dependence and submission. Dependence and submission. Let's take a closer look at each of these two words. First, we depend on the Spirit. Scripture often depicts us as a child and God as our Father. One place we see this picture is in Romans 8. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You haven't received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Pastor John MacArthur argues that the Spirit's most important role, his most important role is to adopt us as his kids. He says it's even more important than the Spirit's role of inspiring the Scriptures, because Scripture is basically a means to speak to God's children, right? So when someone places their faith in Christ at that very moment, the Spirit adopts them. And then he brings them into a saving relationship with God. But it doesn't stop there. Once he adopts us, he slowly starts to change us. And this letter that we're reading, it was uh, translated from the Greek. And the Greek word for son here in verse 14 is huios. And it connotates a growing child. And as a child grows up, for better or for worse, they start to resemble their dad a little bit, right? They may look like him more. They may speak like him more. They may act like him more. They may want to use power tools like him or cook like him or dress like him. And this isn't a robotic response, right? This isn't them trying to get their dad to love them more. This is natural. You know, growing up, I wasn't as close to my dad, but there were still ways that I did this. As a five-year-old, I put shaving cream on my face because I wanted to shave like him. As a 10-year-old, I did yard work because my dad did yard work. My dad is a Cleveland Browns fan. There are zero logical reasons for anyone to be a Cleveland Browns fan, but because of my dad, I love the Browns. The cry of a child's heart is to be like their dad. And God's spirit leads us to exude fruit like our dad. And we're not meant to try and manufacture this fruit on our own. We're meant to ask him for help. Jesus emphasizes this to his disciples in Luke 11. He says, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Just like a good dad loves when his kids ask for help, 
Our God loves when we ask him for help. And when we actually believe that, there's this joy that comes with our walk with the Lord, right? I remember in high school, I wasn't even sure if there was a God or not. But I had these friends, and they loved Jesus. And I remember I would just sometimes get to hear them pray. And sometimes people get really self-conscious when they pray out loud, right? Like they don't want to say anything that sounds stupid or weird. But these guys, they didn't seem to care what they sounded like. They just enjoyed talking to their Heavenly Father. And so they were eager to pray for me. They were eager to pray for other people. They were eager to pray for the group. And I never told them this because I didn't want to sound weird, but I loved getting to listen to them pray. I loved hearing them talk to their God because I got to see what their relationship with God looked like in those moments. And it was a powerful picture for me to approach the creator as God and as father is crazy, right? So let me ask you this. Is this the way you view your relationship with God? As a Christian, are you just getting things done? Are you dependent on your father? Are you living on autopilot, or are you living in step with the Spirit? I want to ask you, what's one thing in your life right now one thing in your life right now that you need to depend on the Spirit for. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that's really hard. Maybe school or work is taxing your soul. Maybe you feel trapped in sin, sexual morality, idolatry, envy, drunkenness. If that's you, your Father is inviting you to walk in dependence on Him. And as we walk with Him, He promises we're going to bear fruit. And the fruit may not be immediate. Just like apples on an apple tree take time to grow, spiritual fruit might take time to grow. And if it's taking a while, you're not a failure. Your identity is not in your fruit. Your identity is in being God's kid. So keep depending on your Father. What's one thing in your life right now that you need to depend on the Spirit for? Okay, look back with me to Galatians 5. We're going to focus in on verses 24 and 25. There we're going to see the second picture of how we walk in the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is violent language here, isn't it? Crucify the flesh. Kill it. Put it to death. Romans 8.13 says it like this, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. This seems to hint that we don't play a passive role in this process of walking with the Spirit, right? We don't just sit at a coffee shop and wait to see the fruit of the Spirit. No, we cooperate with the Spirit. We listen to him, and as he speaks to us through the word or through people or through time with him, we submit to what he says. So we first depend on the Spirit, and then we submit to the Spirit. Just as a child depends on their father, they also obey their father's loving direction. But so often we obey the very things that seek to kill us, right? We may submit to our selfish desires, and allow sin to get footholds in our relationships. 
We may submit to lies about our identity and let insecurity ravage us. We may submit to pornography and let sexual immorality wreak havoc in our lives. But what if, rather than listening to the flesh, listening to the lies or listening to the voices from hell, what if we made space? What if we made space to listen to our Heavenly Father and then submit to Him? I remember in high school talking to those same Christian friends that I'd mentioned before, and they'd share things that God was leading them to do on their day-to-day basis. Like, God would lead them to talk to a certain person, or God would lead them to say something or do something in a certain moment. And I don't recall it being off-the-wall stuff, like it seemed like normal stuff to do, but I remember thinking to myself at that time, that was kind of weird. That was kind of weird that they would say they were hearing from God in that moment. How do you know if you're hearing from God or if that's just your own conscience? But now, after over a decade of experience as a Christian, I totally get it. I totally get it. I get what they meant when they said that the Spirit was leading them to do something. You know, in John 10, Jesus says, his sheep are going to recognize his voice. And the longer I've been a Christian, the more I've gotten used to this internal voice of the Spirit in my life. And full disclosure, I haven't always been right when I thought that God was trying to tell me something. But if what I'm hearing internally doesn't contradict Scripture, and if what I'm hearing internally seems to be helpful for someone else, why not act on it, right? Why not trust that that's from God? We serve a big God. He's able to clean up any mistakes that we would make along the way. So just ask yourself, what's an area of your life that you need to submit to the Spirit? What's an area of your life that you need to submit to the Spirit? For many of us, it would be way easier to do a checklist rather than depend and submit to the Lord. I could read my Bible but still harbor bitterness and wrath towards other people. I could pray to God but never actually listen to what he says. I could get a quiet time and walk away filled with pride. Doing a checklist makes sense to our flesh. We like to perform tasks. We like to get things done. But a checklist isn't why you fell in love with Jesus in the first place, is it? You don't long for a checklist. You long for a life of adventure. You weren't meant to experience death. You were rescued to experience resurrection. You weren't wooed by rigid religiosity. You were captivated by a romance that extends into eternity. So Christian, don't depend and submit to your checklist. Why settle for that when you can walk with the Spirit? Be led by the Spirit and know your Father. Now, I know for some Christian or not Christian here, this may seem a little foreign. This may seem a little confusing or mysterious. And if that's you this morning, I just want to let you know I can relate. I can totally relate. You know, I don't have many memories of first grade, but I do remember this story very clearly. Each morning, our teacher would ask us a question. And everyone would go around and share an answer to this question. And on this day, she asked us what our favorite food was. So we went around and shared one at a time. Pizza. Cheese pizza. Pepperoni pizza. Chicken nuggets. And then I kid you not, I get to my buddy Colton, and he says this, filet mignon. (laughs) And I think to myself, wow, Colton, I didn't know you spoke German. That's really cool. 
And so obviously I had no idea what filet mignon was. But it's this, it's this delicate beef tenderloin. And my teacher was like, ooh, yeah, filet mignon, wow. And then my teacher and Colton, they proceed to have this moment where they're talking about filet mignon and they're gushing over something that I'd never even heard of. And I'm like, how could I have never heard of that? I was six years old. A year is a long time, right? I had six of those. How do I not know what filet mignon is? Now, since then, I've had filet mignon. And I wholeheartedly agree with Colton. <laughs> it's delicious. You don't need steak sauce. You don't need to chew it incessantly. It's amazing. But then I think of myself now. I'm 30, and maybe that sounds old, maybe that sounds young, but rest assured, there is still much that I have yet to experience. And so when we're talking about living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, it's good for me to ask myself, what am I missing? What am I missing? What am I missing of God? What am I missing of love? What am I missing of joy and peace? What am I missing of romance and adventure and resurrection? What am I missing of life and being led by the Spirit? I don't just want to know the fruits. I want to taste them. I want to experience them. I pray that we wouldn't settle for what we already know about God. I pray that we'd know him more. I pray that we'd listen to him more. I pray that we'd respond to him more. Author Peter Kreft speaks to our need for revival. He says this, our culture has filled our heads but emptied our hearts, stuffed our wallets but starved our wonder, fed our thirst for facts but not meaning or mystery. What if our church was a church with filled hearts, filled with wonder and meaning and joy that can come only from the Spirit? What would happen if we didn't just read the Bible, but we let the Bible read us? We submit our life to the Word, and we allowed the Spirit to change us through His Word. What if we didn't just speak at God, but we listened to Him in our prayers? What if we didn't just have a quiet time, but we enjoyed a relational time with Him? You know, you might be thinking, I want a way to respond to this. I want to I have something practical to maybe put, in, put into this week. Uh, I have a simple idea for this, but I should warn you, it's also a dangerous one. You know, much of this sermon was a byproduct of a staff meeting where we discussed the spirit, and Aziz was there, and he shared an idea with us that an older pastor had challenged him with. And as he lived out this challenge, the fruit he saw from it was amazing. So here's an idea for you to consider this week. And not just this week, but going forward. If you're a Christian, as you go about your day, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to say right now? And then just listen. And as long as it seems biblical, or as long as it seems like it might build someone up, go ahead and act on that inkling. Now, if you're a student, I don't want parents emailing me about how the Holy Spirit told you not to do your homework. That's not what we're getting at here. But let's just trust that the Spirit actually wants to move through you. We often say, you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. God wants to speak to you. He delights in speaking to you. So let's just put that into practice every day. 
and let's just see what God would do. I wonder what steps of faith you might take. I wonder what ways would you get to see God move? And if you're not a Christian, maybe you're here and maybe you want to experience this fruit of the Spirit more. And not just a one-time supply of it, but you want a never-ending supply of it. And I wonder, if someone were to offer you that, if someone were to offer you never-ending love and joy and peace, would you take them up on that offer? Because that's exactly what Jesus is offering you. He offers you indestructible joy, indestructible love, indestructible peace. And if we said anything today that has piqued your interest, let us know. Let us know. Mark down on your Connect card. You want to connect with someone about your spiritual journey. We'd love to buy you coffee. We'd love to hear your story. And we'd love to connect. So as we close, uh, we're going to take a time of communion together as we sing. So the band is going to come on up. And as they come on up, I'll share what Paul says about communion in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, On the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and then broke it in pieces. He said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. So communion is simply an opportunity to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us and to remember that he has made a way for us to enjoy a relationship with him through the Spirit. So if you put your faith in Jesus, come and take communion while we sing his praises together. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, no pressure to take communion during this time. Just take this time as we sing to ponder what you make of Jesus and his offer to you. You know, we started this sermon series with Jesus' words from John 7 about the Holy Spirit. He said, let anyone who is thirsty, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me will have rivers of living water flowing from within them. Church, let's come to him. Let's drink deeply. And let's watch him flow through us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are wonderful. You are amazing. Thank you that you haven't just given us a checklist of do's and don'ts. Thank you that you have adopted us into your family, that we are your kids, that we get to experience relationship with you, intimacy with you. And thank you that you want to speak to us, that you literally want to speak to us in each moment of our day, through the word and through other people and through time with you. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't put you in a box. I pray that we wouldn't try to keep you contained. I pray that we would submit our lives to you and just see what you would do. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a loving, kind, patient, peaceful, gentle father. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.